Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. I am really excited for this week's uh, guest, uh, the boys basketball coach out at Kearney High School, Drake Baronic. Uh legendary player in the history of the state of Nebraska and now building up quite the resume uh, as a head coach out at Kearney High. Uh, but before we get going with Coach Baronic, uh, we need to do a couple things first. We want to recognize our sponsor, which is of Coast Cossack Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha, just off of 144th and Maple. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at CossackChiro.com. That's K-O-S. A-K-C-H-I-R-O dot com or give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300 and be sure that to tell Dr. Kevin and Dr. Heidi that a pen and a napkin sent you. Uh, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Uh, we try to have daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter feed, uh, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so download this pod, rate it five stars, share it with as many people as possible. We want to, uh, as I was just telling Coach Baronic, this is all about helping other coaches get better and educating themselves on their craft. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, if you have any issues or topics you'd like for us to cover, uh, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. So, uh, this was a, uh, uh, a, a pod that was supposed to be done a few weeks ago, and then, uh, you know, with uh, my father-in-law getting sick and passing away, we kind of had to reshuffle and reschedule some things here, but I really want to thank uh, Drake Baronic for being so um, patient with uh, with me here. So, Coach, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, Marty. It's, it's good to be on the show, and I'm sorry to hear about your father-in-law. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was a tough situation. Um, but you know we're we're moving on. It's it's you know uh, it's it's the circle of life, and and he lived a great life, and and uh, you know it's uh, it's just it's just kind of one of those things. But everybody's everybody's doing okay, and you know um, he would you know he, his last words to us uh, or some of his last words. One of one of my wife's sisters asked him for advice, and he just said work hard, and. <laughs> You know, if if that's not a Nebraska farmer, I don't know what is. You know, so yeah. Uh, yeah so, uh, but coach, excited to have you on here. Um, you know, season's off to a pretty good start, five and three, just a couple of buckets away from being six and two. Um, you know, talk about your season a little bit so far. Yeah, you know, um, playing some close, tough games against some pretty good opponents, and we've got a uh, team that's got a lot of kids in different roles than they've been before you know guys that were role players are now being asked to do a lot for us guys that didn't play a ton years ago a year ago Mm -hmm. are uh, starting to play a little bit more and need more out of them so it's it's one of those things that takes time it's high school basketball everybody goes through it Mm -hmm. so it's fun to see the uh, kids go into their roles and get more confident more comfortable in the things that we're asking them to do yep Absolutely. So, well, uh, for the, uh, you know, we usually start out this way here. Uh, for uh, the folks that don't know a lot about you, uh, kind of tell them about your background, where you grew up, your experiences in basketball, um, how you ended up at Kearney High. Yeah, so uh, I went to Ravenna High School, played for my dad. Uh, we were fortunate to have a great 
group of guys are around um, that he was able to coach with me, and we kind of grew up from a young age. Second, third, we went to went to Y together, went over to Grand Island, played in the YMCA forever, and then we started getting a travel ball third and fourth grade, and just. Um, you see all these coaches that are able to have these teams from when they're younger. An example of that right now is Connor Creech and his dad, mm-hmm. the success that they're having. I don't, I don't think it's any secret when you're able to be coached by um, a guy's going to coach you later. It's, it's a pretty good recipe for some good results. And so um, went to Ravana. We were able to win a state championship, got a runner-up. Um, won quite a few games, but the best part about it is just the memories that you have with your buddies. And okay. Went from Ravana High School to UNK, played there for um, three years under Coach Kraut and Coach Lofton. Um, learned a ton, was able to play with some phenomenal players. Um, really, really grew as an individual player there as far as my own skills were concerned. And, and just what it took to be tough and, and play the game the right way from Coach Kraut and uh, then I went to uh, Nebraska for two years under Doc Sadler. Mm-hmm. I sat out for a year and played for another. and was able to be around some really good players again and just see that level. It's, it's just a little bit different at that level on what goes on and, and the preparation and things that go into it. And so to be able to see that level was very important for me. What, uh, what are some sort of, examples of that? Um, you know, just the, the, the film that it took to – before games and just the, the different uh, breakdown things that we did and then just everything's bigger and, and more important and you know, the, the state of Nebraska follows it a little bit more closely probably than they did UNK stuff and, mm-hmm. um, but as far as like my own coaching experience it was so important because I was able to go learn from a different perspective I mean my dad grew up around Coach Crop and mm-hmm. he went and helped him do camps and heasers and all these guys um, so I kind of understood that brand of basketball a little bit and to be able to get get out and see a different perspective and um, it really grew me as a coach later on. You know, I was playing at the time, but knowing that I wanted to coach someday, it was, it was trying to be a sponge and soak it all in. And so a lot of our defensive philosophy things that we do now come from Coach Sadler, the way that they do their stuff. And um, it's really worked out to be pretty good for us. We've led the state of Nebraska last three years in defensive average given Mm -hmm. up. And so um, a lot of that goes back to Coach Sadler and the way that that we were taught how to do things there. And so um, after was at UNL, um, went to Hastings and was a GA for Coach Creech at at Hastings for a year. Um, And then I went to uh, Doan College and was an assistant coach at Doan with uh, Coach Weeks for a year. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after that, went to uh, Holdridge and was at Holdridge for two years. Um, been a, I was actually a student teacher and a head basketball coach. Oh, wow. So I student, had a student taught a semester, was a substitute teacher a semester, and then was a PE teacher the next year. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and then after that, I, I got to Kearney and been there ever since. So um, it's amazing the different routes and paths that's probably not how I thought it would go or dreamt it would go, but um, it's funny how the different roads lead you to different places you're supposed to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are familiar with, like you said, Coach Creech and, and, and Coach Weeks, and you, you know, you had talked about kind of, you know, you took a lot of, you, you, you've used a lot of Coach Sadler's 
defensive philosophies. What's uh, you know, and, and Coach Weeks is a, a Nebraska legend. You know, c- you know, coming off a state championship down there at Auburn, and and uh, you know, you know, what are what are what's one or two important things that you took from both of those guys before you jumped in as a head coach? I, th- I mean, I think anywhere you go, you're always trying to figure out um, things that you'd like to apply to your own coaching style yeah and so i mean when, when we were at when i was at unk i mean coach crop and, and coach loft and coach crop was how to play hard how to play the right way and everybody thinks they play hard but they don't mm-hmm. until you watch coach crop play a game of basketball you don't know what, what playing hard is um coach lofton was phenomenal at helping me become a better individual player we did we spent a lot of time in the gym working on some pull-ups off the dribble things he added another level of my scoring in college. I, I was kind of a three and layup guy and I was able to add a mid range for a skinny, um, not very athletic kid like me. It's important to be able to score at three levels because then you can, uh, really be deceptive in what you're doing. You know, I'm not very fast, but if I can score at three different levels, then I become quicker yep. because they got to guard me different in, in those situations. So, you know, hesitation in, in the middle of the drive, where I could pull up or if I get a layup and maybe get a, a wide open layup, but he, he really grew me there. Um, I thought coach Creech, I learned a ton as far as overall organization of a program. Um, you know, when you're coaching at Hastings college, you do it all. I mean, you're doing laundry, you're ordering gear, <laughs> you're doing, you're doing food, you're doing all this stuff. And yep. it was, it's a revolving door of GAs at that level. And so you're constantly reteaching young kids what you want them to do. So you got to rely on yourself a lot. And he was just a master of being organized and getting getting stuff ready to rock and roll. And then um, went went with Coach Weeks, and uh, I, I learned a, a lot about the accountability and motivation and expectations. Have high standards for your kids. Don't waver from what those standards are. Make sure that they're emphasized and talked about all the time. And if you communicate those effectively, and you're open with what you want. Um, kids will respond to it, and if they don't, they know why that they're in trouble. And yeah. so I think a lot of times, um, you know, coaches get after some kids, and sometimes it gets a bad rap. But if they see all the behind-the-doors talking and coaching and, and loving that you do and, and the relationships that you're building, um, a lot of times for me, the times where I get frustrated with the players on some absolute no-nos in our program. That's, you know, not coming back and finishing off a loose ball or getting a defensive rebound or certain defensive assignment things that, that we just say cannot happen. And so, um, you know, I'm never going to get too fired up about a kid missing a shot or yeah. um, maybe making one turnover. You start getting two or three in there, you might get a little fired up. But mm-hmm. uh, So I think in every place that I went, I could sit here and say these are the things that I learned. I also think that a lot of people are looking for secrets, you know, in, in anything. What's what's the secret to success? And I'm so glad that you talked about your father-in-law talking about hard work because every place I've been, I've kind of went. You know, you see Beatrice winning all these games. Like, what's what's the secret? What, what what's the secret thing that they do to be successful? I'm sitting here thinking about these game plan things and how the way they scout and player development things that they do, and everybody does the same stuff. Um, it comes down to the hard work piece that you're talking about. I really mm-hmm. think it's how hard can you get kids to work. And then you sit here and think about Syracuse and these guys playing two, three zone and, and KU running flex and West Virginia pressing and these guys all doing these different things and being successful. And the number one thing that it comes down to is getting kids to buy into what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
really big on trying to get buy-in from people and it's not easy but uh um it's just it's it's a lot of fun and the, the thing i love about most coaches is everybody's a lifelong learner mm-hmm. you're really trying to um continually learn because the moment you think you got the game of basketball figured out you don't it'll humble you in two seconds yeah. and so constantly using each other as coaches um you know, just finding solutions for the way things need to be done. And um, that's why I love it. That's why I'm so passionate about it is because um, you're never going to completely figure it out. You're always going to be trying to find and tweak and be better in some area. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's the the biggest reason why I'm doing what I'm doing here with this is, you know, just to help, you know, my, my first year that I was out, I – you know, and I've told this story to a couple other people that asked, you know, how did you come up with this or, you know, whatever. And, you know, even though I wasn't coaching, I was still involved, you know, wanting to learn about the game. And a lot of it was, you know, a lot of professional stuff, a lot of high level, you know, D1 college stuff. And, you know, my, my thought process was, well, I'm a high school girls basketball coach. My kids aren't going to be able to do those things. What, you know, and it was hard to find resources that could really help that level out, I felt like. And so that was kind of my impetus for, for wanting to put something like this together and to, like you said, be, try to be that lifelong learner and, and share some knowledge that I've picked up along the way that, yeah, you know, and that's nothing against Bill Self or Bobby Huggins or the guys that you were talking about, you know. I mean, please don't tell Bob Huggins that. He'll come here and kick my butt. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, I actually, uh, we were playing in the Bahamas. Or, uh, we were actually playing in Puerto Rico when I was with Nebraska. And West Virginia was playing the game before us, and they lost a close one. And we were playing in this kind of event center thing, and we were pretty much in just a concert hall thing, you know, just uh, uh, yeah lobby deals or uh, hotel convention center thing and they just had dividers yep. in as our locker rooms and uh, we're trying to get ready to play whoever I could think where this is going here so and, yeah oh my gosh I, I this was my first division one game I'm trying to get ready for and I got <laughs> I mean there's like a thin sheet of paper between us and Bob Huggins and he is just reading his kids the rights and using um, colorful language and and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, how can I get ready to play a game of basketball? Listen to this. I feel sorry for that guy over there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody does it their own way. Yep. It's just funny to have those stories to be able to talk about. But, yeah, yeah Bob Huggins is something else. Yeah, you, you were scared, and you weren't even in the room, you know? Yeah, my, my knees were clacking together, and I, was, it was, I thought it was going to be because I was playing my first Division One basketball game, but it works, I was afraid of Bob Huggins, and I didn't even see the guy. <laughs> well, maybe uh, maybe that helped you relax a little bit more, like, you know. You know yeah, uh, it can't be, can't be that bad. Yeah, exactly. It can't be worse than that. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Doc would seem like a puppy, uh, a puppy after that, so. Yeah, he's a great guy. He, he is. is. He is. So. Uh, my my son is a manager for the Nebraska men's team right now, really? and so really? uh, and so uh, him and Doc are, you know, he's uh, Doc has kind of taken my son under his wing a little bit there, and and it's it's been really nice as a as a dad to kind of have somebody looking out for him a little bit. So um, you know, it's, it's he he's a great guy. So um, you talked about how you played for your father, and. Um, you know, you, you've talked about a, a lot of influences, but, uh, you know, I got to see your dad speak one time at a coach's clinic and, and, you know, 
terrific and um i'm old enough to remember watching you play in high school so that dates me a little bit but um you know what are what are some things that you know you talked about your other influences but what are some of the the important things that you 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 took from your from your dad that you now implement in in your program because your dad was a heck of a coach Um, yeah you know he it's funny that you call it a pen and a napkin uh because it seemed like every time we'd go to a coach's clinic or do a camp somewhere or whatever we were doing um he would have a pen and we'd grab a napkin at the place we'd go to eat or whatever and he usually would draw something up on a napkin and I thought that was pretty cool. So the first time I saw it, I was like, geez, what is this? This is kind of cool. And then, um, or we use like salt shakers, yep. pepper, yep. you know, just random stuff on the table. And so it's just funny the different ways that you can talk about and uh, be creative with sharing the game. Yep. And uh, But yeah, I mean, I talked about the influences that uh, for me in basketball, and obviously my dad will always be the foundation mm-hmm. for me. Um, everything else is just kind of that, that learning and, um, figuring out different ways or better ways to do things and, and just kind of, uh, small changes. And mm-hmm. so, um, my dad, I, th- I thought my dad did a really good job of getting kids to buy into whatever role it was, accepting whatever role that they had, feeling valued in the role that they had. And then when it was time for them to make a play, um, giving him confidence to be able to make that play that that they needed to do, and so um, you know, just trying to build a team and, and get his teams to play hard and play the right way, I think, is something that I really try to implement into our op- our own program here at Carney High. Mm-hmm. You uh, you were obviously a, uh, and I had this in my notes already that you were a a young head coach. Um, <laughs> we got we got a little nighttime here, so that's, that's something that's changed in my coaching career. It's, I don't get to spend as much time doing other stuff. I gotta give my daughter a kiss quick. All right. Good night. Sorry. Hey, no, no problem. It's uh, it's, that's it's a real real it's a, life of a coach, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, uh, enjoy it while you can. Uh, when I was a young coach, I you know I they were young, and now I've got a sophomore in college and a junior and a sophomore in high school so enjoy it while you can coach so uh, it is awesome it's it gives you a great appreciation for um you know i think when i was younger i thought i understood the relationship between parents and kids you know a little bit Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that can prepare you for it or, or really make you understand that unconditional love that you have for your kid um until you have them. And yep. so I was just talking with somebody the other day. I wish, I wish life would be backwards. I wish we would coach first, play second. I wish we would parent first, be a kid second, because yeah. it would give you such a greater appreciation for um, the decisions that your parents made or the things they told you. It makes more sense instead of 20 years later being like, Oh, that's what they did that for, <laughs> you know, or whatever. So, yeah. Um, life's kind of backwards a little bit but yeah it, it works out um one of the things that my dad told me um when i was a young coach and you know um you know you, you do this for any length of time you're going to have a parent that's not going to like you because you didn't play their kid enough and blah 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 and you're looking at mm-hmm. it from you're looking at it from the perspective of uh, well 
you're not boxing out or you're, you're, you know, whatever the litany of basketball reasons why. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was talking to my dad about it and he said, well, and this was great advice. And I think this is really good advice for any coach. He said, well, you have to understand that their parent or, you know, a parent is going to love their child a little bit more than every other kid out there, you know? And, and that always kind of stuck with me. It was like, okay, you know, that makes sense that, they're they're just they're just being passionate because they love their child you know you know so two things on that for me i think really made sense was my brother played at unk and when i would go watch those games you know you sit there and you have tunnel vision yep you watch the game and you watch and that's i mean obviously it's my brother but um you watch it from that lens only yep and when you're coaching you've got to have the best interest of a kind guys in mind and sometimes you don't get in that that lens of just one person if, if somebody's struggling with something then maybe you can get in that lens a little bit more mm-hmm. but uh, you know i'd walk away from a game and say you know why didn't they do this for connor every once in a while and um, it's an easy thing to get into and you got to keep in mind that you know there's other people on the floor and, and there's other things that they're worried about if you only watch your kid or whoever um do things then yeah there's probably some things that we could do different but some sometimes that stuff slips through yeah the second thing that that i learned was coach weeks was was big on you know if if you get after a kid a, a lot you know 50 of people are going to like you because you you are hard on their kids and the other 50 aren't going to like you because you're too soft on their kid you know there's going to be the parent that wants their kid to get a college basketball scholarship or whatever and they want their kid to be coached to the utmost hardest that there ever was and there's other parents that that want their kid to um you know just kind of be loved be a part of a team and Mm -hmm. maybe not get get yelled at too much and so what he always said is um you can't make everybody happy so choose who you are as a coach and make sure you stick to it yeah so you know you you got to make sure that you're able to lay down at night and and fall asleep and know that in your heart you're doing the right thing for for kids and and that's who you are as a coach and so um it's just it's awesome all the advice and experience that i've been able to get from all these great coaches and try to apply it in my own philosophy yep well we we took a little side trip there but it was a it was a really good side trip so (laughs) it ain't gonna be the first one Marty. that's that's no problem there there has been uh, more than one side trip on a pen and a napkin interview <laughs> podcast before. So, um, if you if you've ever been in the classroom with me, there are numerous side trips, uh, pretty much on a daily basis. So, <laughs> um, but uh, you, you came in and and you you get your first head job at Holdridge, and like I said, I I knew you were young, and then before we started taping here, uh, you told me how young <laughs> and where you were at in your professional teaching career, but uh, um, you had to be about, what, 25-ish when yeah, you took 23, over? 24, 23, 24, there. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know how old I am right now, yeah. so um, start getting, getting up there. Yeah, well, that's that's what happens when you grow up on the mean streets of Ravenna. You know, you got to keep your <laughs> keep your head on a swivel. So, yeah, that's right. yeah. um, but uh, what were some of the, you know, 
uh, one of the things that a lot of the coaches have said on the pods is, you know, they thought they were ready to be a head coach until they became a head coach and they felt like they didn't know anything. And, and my first head job was at 24 or 25 uh, at Gothenburg for a year. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Sweetville, USA. So my wife's sweet. So that's oh, really? Good stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. We'll we'll have to talk about that afterwards. We won't bore people with uh, Dawson County yeah, stories right now. So that's right. Uh, but uh, what were some things that you learned in those two years at Holdridge? Well, I think uh, first of all, I don't. Everybody's so excited to be a coach and show everybody what they know, or show their kids what they know, and and. Sometimes that that's not the best thing that you can do. It's because there's too many things that you can do, you yep. know. And so you need to find your identity and who you want to be as a team, who you want to be as a coach. And we played this this math game. I don't know. What do you teach? Do you teach? Not a lot, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I so teach history. I te- game. Our assistant coach was a math teacher, and it's called Pico Fermi Bagel. You're trying to figure out a three digit number by guessing numbers. And if it was a Pico, it was you had the right digit, just the wrong spot. Fermi was right spot, right digit. Bagel was you didn't get any of the digits right. So let's say the digit where we're trying to guess seven, eight, nine, okay. and we guessed one, two, three. That's a bagel. Yep. And I use this analogy all the time for, for coaching because um, sometimes it's better to figure out what you don't want, what you don't want to be. What are your absolute no's? Because there's so many things that you can't do. And I, t- I tell kids in our classes all the time, too, like, what are the things when you're going to pick a school? What are the things that you know you don't want? Because there's so many great things about different schools that let's eliminate the things that you know that you don't want. It's going to make your decision a little easier. And so I think when I was going through certain places, too, I was also finding out things that I didn't want to be. Yep. And so, you know, I, I wasn't going to be a zone guy or I wasn't going to do this and do that. So, um Sometimes, as a younger coach, I'd really focus on the things that that I didn't want to be, and then that's when you start morphing into what do you want to be. And so, um, I, I wasn't great at Holdridge. I wasn't a great basketball coach. Obviously, I was young, and and, and I was constantly learning. Um, I was so thankful for Holdridge. So, I was thankful for the community of Holdridge. I was thankful for the administration and the players because they were patient with me and uh, allowed me to come in there and get my feet wet and really learn. And um, so the learning was endless. I mean, for me to try to sit here and say, what are the one or two things that you learned? You learned a ton. Mm -hmm. I mean, we went to our first game and somebody said, hey, I need my ankles taped. I'm like, what the heck? Where's the trainer at? So now you got to have somebody that does that. Then you got the book. I mean, it's all things as a head coach that everybody thinks coaching is X's and O's and these different things. And, and no, it's, it's, you're making a lot of decisions that have no impact on the game whatsoever that you got to make sure that you're managing so that your kids can perform at the highest level. And so, um, being able to do the mundane tasks that are needed to be able to get coaches is something that's very important. I think the other thing that I really learned is I, I got a little more organized. Um, I got more organized in my practices. Um, probably after Holdridge, I, I wasn't super organized there as far as what we were doing, how we were doing it, what we wanted to get out of things. Um, I'd stay in things a little too long. Um, and so when I went to Kearney, we, we 
Jim Moran, who's my assistant coach, who's been a lot of different places, been successful everywhere he's been, um, really helped me in my practice setup and, and did something that we knew we were going to get stuff done every day. And, mm-hmm. and so um, having good people around you is so important as a young coach, too, um, and making sure that you're trusting the people's opinions that, that you know you can trust. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff. Um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um- when you when you uh, one of the quotes that I dug up on you um, was uh, when you were talking about Carney, you said you were excited about kids that wanted to be coached, and you know just describe kind of your your Carney kids, and you know you said that a year or two ago, um, and uh, you know just just what has been special about that. Well, so when I got the job, um, Cannon Coster was a sophomore and Shiloh Robinson was a freshman. And you could tell right away that they're super high-level talents. Mm-hmm. And the nice part about my playing career was as soon as I tell somebody something, for the most part, um, I've got some experience that gives me some street cred with them. Mm-hmm. And so you know, that street cred can take you a long way. And so if you can help them in one area and, and and it works, um, a lot of times you have them for the rest of their life, you know, and you can tell them things and they'll, they'll listen to you and they'll try it because, uh, you're able to show them that you knew a little bit early. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, our kids at Carney were, were hungry to, uh, be coached and be held accountable. And, um, and that was probably the one thing that I wanted to do when, when I got the job. And I want our kids, our program to be really accountable for what we're doing. And so that's why being systematic offensively and defensively a little bit um, is important. So that way you can hold kids accountable. So if they don't know the standards and expectations, how can you hold them accountable for anything? Yeah. Um, so you got to know what your standards and expectations are offensively and defensively. And then just overall gameplay. So that way your team can be held accountable for um, those things, but yeah, I mean, our our community at Carney and, and the kids in Carney are there's some high level athletes here, and, and our kids have got great work ethic, and um, it's just stuff that that I naturally gravitate to because it's who I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, middle Nebraska people that are willing to work, and and uh, I love it because I love seeing these kids that put a lot of time into something and be able to have some great memories and experiences through the game of basketball and to see that smile on their face when they do what, what they've worked hard to do or get close to do what they've worked hard to do is, is pretty gratifying as a coach. Yeah. Well, you know, the numbers add up, you know, uh, going into this year, uh, I teach history, but I did a little bit of math. Um, (laughs) um, 60 wins in your first three years. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Coach, but uh, there's only three schools that have more wins in Class A uh, than you do the last going into this season. Do you know who they are? Um, I would assume Prep. That's one. Bell West and Central probably. I don't know. Those are the three. Yeah, I mean, but you're talking about the Blue Bloods of, of Class A. and You know, you throw South in there too, I think. And um, that's the cool part about it is – um, when you got some juggernauts like those guys, that you're constantly being able to push buttons and and tell our kids, this is the programs that we're trying to be like. Uh-huh. This is what we're trying to get to. And so, um, you know, I think 
we've done a nice job of of you know covering some ground and and trying to build that um we're definitely nowhere close to what those guys are but uh just to be in a conversation with those teams is something special for our kids and our program i think but uh again a lot of it goes to the fact that we've had really good players yeah when you go back and look at it cannon coster has been one of the better players in class a when he was playing and Shadow Robinson obviously was one of the better players, and so it's no secret. I mean, we're not doing it with um, nothing. I mean, we've got some guys that are playing at a high level, and and then the best part I think is we've got kids around them that accept their roles and and be great at whatever role that they're given. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's that's a pretty good company to be in. So I was actually a, a little bit worried. Did- you know, if you set up like a hidden hidden camera here in my office in my in my room, because you 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 rattled those off really quick. I don't know if you were like reading something over my shoulder or, or no, whatever. I, so I think the, the average basketball fan should probably know yeah. that. I would say in class A, somebody that follows that stuff, it's yeah, not too hard to figure that one out. But like you said, and that's that's a pretty elite company to be in, and and that shows the the quality of work. You, you can have talent. Uh, but if you're not guiding them uh, and if they're not being pushed the right way and, and, you know, the parameters that are set and the X's and O's and all those things, you know, th- they're not going to reach the numbers that you guys have reached. So give yourself a little bit of credit, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of people involved, but uh, ultimately it's, it's the kids making the sacrifices and getting in the gym and mm-hmm. our assistant coaches open up the gym 24 seven for our guys. We're in here in the mornings getting shots up, different things. And so, um, it's like you said with your father-in-law, it's, there's no secrets. It's all about hard work and getting after it. Now you have to have a little bit of talent to be able to, um, work at it, yep. but, uh, you gotta start somewhere. You gotta have a baseline. Yep. After that, it's how hard, how how much you put into the game of basketball. It'll it'll pay off. Yep. Well, if you don't go to Kearney High, but you would like to get some coaching from Drake Baronic or his brother Connor, uh, you can sign up for one of their basketball camps. Uh, where did uh, where did that all kind of come from? What uh, you know you know how'd you guys come up with that idea? How does it all work? What do you guys do with that? So when when my dad and our team, when I was in high school, Bertrand liked how we played. And so we went and took our whole team over there and uh, did a camp just kind of with their high school kids and just played against them mostly and showed them how we do things and why we do things the way that we do it. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, we went paintballing with this guy, Scott Swartz. He was a student teacher for my dad in art and uh Man, we had a blast. I mean, some of the we still to this day talk about going paintballing more than we talk about basketball. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. Um, so we kind of started uh, about ten or twelve years ago doing it, just kind of slowly. And um, when Dad was around, we were we were pumping out maybe eight to ten camps a summer, um, mm-hmm. going with Dad, my brothers, um, and just trying to give back to the game a little bit. And what what we really like to do is every time we go to a camp, we go do something fun. So. Mm-hmm. Chambers, we went golfing. Um, we went fishing when we went to Burwell. Coach Man's a great friend of, of my dad's, and now my brothers and I. Um, and so we'd go to the Calamus and fish. And so, you know, just um, doing some activities as a family and, and with, with good coaching buddies and friends. And and then also, there's always good meals. Yeah. Uh, we loved going. We, we'd do one at Sandhill Sedford, and we'd go down to the, the bar and uh, – 
um, Halsey and go eat there and take it all in. And my brother and I went out to Bridgeport, did one out there and got some Godfather's Pete. You know, it's just, it's, it's so much fun to just go out and see Nebraska. Um, and just try to give back as much as we can. And mm-hmm. we went to Maywood. And, uh, it was crazy that this is last year. The kids took their shoes off, walked across the street, got some food, came back at the grocery store. And then uh, this last year, they cooked a bunch of hamburgers for everybody that went. So just to see the community support from these small small towns that we go to and and how much they love their, their kids and their community and give back is is pretty refreshing. So it's, it's fun for us to do. We've dialed it back a little bit just with how busy I am with Carney High stuff and, and mm-hmm. obviously having a family now it's pretty important for me to be around my girls and, sure. and my wife but uh, you know when we can we love to give back and then um, the last three years we've done a Paul Brownick Memorial Camp over over uh, Christmas break uh, my mom wanted to try to do something to be able to give back to some kids that struggle with uh you know some childhood cancer and mm-hmm. so this was an idea that she had when mom says something you do it and so <laughs> we we started that a couple of years ago and you know every year it's been after a game that we got to get up in the morning go back not every time is it something that i really want to do but when you get there man you just don't want to leave yeah. you know it's it's something where you get 120 kids in the gym and see the smiles on their faces and win or lose and I think the last or two of the three years we lost on a buzzer beater the night before and so um you know it's it's fun to sometimes in coaching you you want to be miserable for like three days after right yeah misery oh, yeah. loves company but oh, yeah. uh, there's no time to be miserable when you got 120 kids to get after and so it's been really good for for our family to do and then our extended family comes back and, and helps it helps at it so and then some of our close friends from Ravana. it's just a great way to remember our dad and the things that we like to do with him and it's pretty close to the time that he passed away so it's it's just a really cool thing that we've kind of developed and, and done and um you know, i think um brent Gehring's daughter was one of the girls that we gave some money to um the first or second year i can't remember Brent was a student teacher for us. He's now at Papio South as an administrator. Um, Emma's his daughter. You know, I know they're going through some tough times, but uh, Brent was a great dude for us and was a really good friend of my dad and our family. He actually was an assistant coach for us when I was a junior when we won a state championship. Mm-hmm. And so um, to be able to help their family just in a little way is, is pretty fun for our family. And, uh, you know, we're our thoughts are always with those families have to go through that yeah um you know i was kind of thinking you're you're saying you know two of the three times that you've done it you lost at the buzzer and like you said you know that misery loves company type of thing but then you wake up the next morning and you know i'm guessing that also gives you a a ton of perspective that yeah you know what happened 12 hours ago really isn't that big a deal in the big picture of things too you know you know what you want to give your heart to whatever you want to do i think it's so important to be where your feet are and and give everything you have to whatever that your passions are yeah but at the end of the day my passion is basketball i love the game but it's a silly game you know it's 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 something (laughs) that you can teach teach lifelong lessons in it's a platform to to help impact young kids and there's sports is just powerful yeah um, and so 
it's a great thing, but at the end of the day, we can't get wrapped up in, in the wins and losses too much. And yep. you're definitely right. Being able to do that helps bring some perspective on why we do what we do and the importance of making a difference is is maybe bigger than wins and losses sometimes. Yep. Well, if, uh, if any of our listeners are interested, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, Drake, here, uh, Baranek bballcamps.com uh, yeah, sounds right I'm I'm terrible at English or whatever and all that <laughs> spelling so but yeah that's that's it so okay all right well we'll we'll probably have some camp schedule stuff put up there at some point it's probably got last year's stuff on it I think I run this website or my brother does so it's probably two years behind but <laughs> we'll get her figured out so okay yeah, if, well, if anybody's interested we might do a few this summer so check back and couple months all right well when i uh when i drop the pod uh when i put it on the twitter and the facebook um i'll make sure to put the link in there so if people are interested in it they can they can check it out which puts some pressure on you to get it updated no pressure yeah i got that add it to the list of things (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so well we're going to transition here a little bit uh we're gonna uh jump into our don meyer quote of the day um and about halfway through, or approximately halfway through, um, we uh, we throw out the Don Meyer quote. Um, and today's quote, um, there is the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. Pick one. Great quote. Actually, a funny story about Don Meyer. I was playing in a, first of all, fantastic coach. Like, probably oh, yeah. impacted more coaches than anybody in the entire world and um not everybody probably knows it knows about him but you talk about guys that actually understand the game they gravitate to anything that don meyer said did whatever yeah um i was a sophomore playing in an au tournament up in in south dakota he watched our team play and kept in touch with us a little bit came down and saw me at the school that that year and sitting in our living room and offered me a scholarship to go up to Northern State and play basketball for him. I had no clue who the guy was. <laughs> and uh, My dad's sitting there trying to convince me to go up and take a visit. He, you know, he's giving me a speech on, hey, I've never seen a kid be able to move without the basketball as good as you. You're, you're the greatest backdoor player I've ever seen or something like that. <laughs> so a compliment like that from Don Meyer, which he was just trying to get me to go to school there. But uh, um, I was dumb enough to tell that guy I didn't want to go play for him. So I, I told him, hey, if I'm going Division Two, I want to go to UNK. It's it's where my heart is. That's where I want to go. And so my dad kept trying to say, hey, how about we at least go take a visit? You know, no clue. And then yeah. about four years later, you f- I figured out who this dude is. I'm like, what did I just do? I, I didn't even go see a visit. I didn't go take a visit. I didn't go learn from this dude at all. And so... That's probably one of my bigger regrets in life is not at least going up to Aberdeen and checking it out. So well, and, and plus, you know, just to get to go to Aberdeen, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we'd probably shoot some pheasants on the way and have a great time. Right? <laughs> I went up there. Uh, uh, John Burt, who was the boys' coach at at Scott uh, when I was there uh, for a while, um, John and I were were head coaches together for about six or seven years, and we went up there. Uh, for Coach Meyer's fall clinic one year, the free clinic that he put on. Yep. And and John was like, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll take care of the hotel. I'm like, oh, okay. And he came back a couple days later. He's like, I can't find a hotel. I can't find a hotel anywhere. <laughs> and 
we're getting worried. You know, he's like the closest hotel I can find is like an hour away. And, and, uh, he finally found one and, and he finally, he asked the lady, he's like, why is there no hotels? And I mean, Aberdeen's 25, 30,000 people ish, you know, it's, it's not small, you know? Yeah. And she goes, well, it's, it's the opening weekend of pheasant season. And we're, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's city slickers from Omaha. Didn't even know, man. Come on. And, uh, hey, I, I, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, but we didn't have the, the same, uh, uh, passion for, uh, for, uh, birds. for birds. Yes. And, and shooting them out of the sky. Uh, yeah. but, uh, it's awesome. so, and, then we got there and the hotel just smelled like and it was a, it was a decent hotel it was it wasn't it wasn't bad uh, we're like what's that smell that we we figured it out well it's dead pheasants man that's just yeah that's men being men doing what men do and uh that's gross that's it, good yeah, that's a yeah. Great story yeah so uh we we, we uh put clothespins on our nose for about 36 hours and went back to that's our not, that's on coach meyer though he can come on now he can't be doing that clinic over that time come on man ah uh, hey that's 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 when we went up that's when we went Love up it. it was uh it was the weekend of my birthday because uh, uh i came home and celebrated my birthday with my wife so it was you know, somewhere around October 22nd. Uh, so, you know, there, there were a lot of dead birds and a lot of, a lot of dudes at the hotel. So, uh, but, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if the Russians and the Cubans would have invaded, uh, like in Red Dawn, we were in the safest place in America. I can tell you that right now. So, so, That's awesome. so, well, let's get into some uh, specific, uh, basketball philosophy, uh, type of stuff here. Um, you know, you, you talked about how, uh, you've had some, some great individual players like Cannon Coster and, and Shiloh Robinson and, and highly skilled, you know, great athletes that are highly skilled athletes. And obviously those kids, uh, you know, throughout their high school career worked on their skill development. What are some things that you guys do, uh, with skill development, um, in the off season that, that you think are, that, that's some, that's some really good stuff, uh, that, it, that you think has really helped your kids develop? Oh, I, and not just your really talented kids, but all your kids, obviously. Oh yeah, I think you're you're constantly trying to find new and different ways to do stuff, and not to change the different skills you're working on, but just to keep it fresh. I mean, I I don't know that the days of doing the same stuff over and over and over again every single day are are here anymore. I mean, you got to find out what skills you want kids to be able to have and hit those skills, but do it in different ways i think um now whatever your nuts and bolts are going to be you got to hit those every day and and things like that but uh no we we do i like cones i like chairs and then you know i think everything's kind of a progression you got this stuff where you want kids to be able to go through a cone and and do a command that you want to do or whatever and then at some point it's got to be kind of reactionary and you just continually build on drills to make it more game-like. I think that's probably one other thing that my dad was really good at was finding ways to break down things in games that made sense to kids and applied to a game situation. Um, so he would always, you know, if there was something he saw on film or something against somebody that we were going to do, he would have it broke down um, and then we could break it down and then go into a life situation. 
and have it be replicated and, and been in that situation before and perform at a high level because we were in that situation. So I think of my, my sophomore year, we were playing West Point CC and we knew they were going to play one, three, one. And we had it so down mm-hmm. that we just came out and we're so prepared for it because of the different breakdown things that we did. It wasn't the whole piece that we did. It was the, the parts that he was able to do during the week to get us ready for it. And we came out and won our first state game in, in like 10 or 12 years for our school. And it was pretty awesome because they were the three at the time. And West Point's TC was pretty good at, at that time and had a great tradition going for yeah. us to win that game was, was pretty cool for our community. But so you know, I, I always get into the team stuff because I think that's the, the most fun for me is to be able to try to how can we get people going and put people in positions to be successful. Um, our assistants are really, really good. I, I really rely on our assistants to be creative and find new ways to teach different skills and look at our, our game and film and figure out the different areas that we need to get better. If it's a high-low thing or if it's something, let's find a way to break it down and get our kids better at that certain skill that we need to get better at. Mm-hmm. Um, how uh, how do you uh, organize your, your off-season stuff? Um, oh, our kids do a lot with uh, – you know, we've got a lot of multi-sport athletes, and so we try to be respectful to those kids that are in different sports. Um, but there's always a handful or more of kids that don't do anything in, in that said off-season. And so we we do a lot of skill stuff. We try to get in 45 minutes twice a week, and we'll play twice a week. So we'll go four days a week, usually take Fridays off. And we'll, we'll add in some lifting and some conditioning and some plyos on certain days. and and uh, But a lot of emphasis on just getting reps. Um, I'm, I don't get in and change a ton of shots. I don't get in and do a lot of that. I, I think that it's more about reps and kids taking ownership and coaching themselves a little bit. Now, obviously, when when kids are struggling, it's it's a lot of times it's probably not even, it's kind of a placebo effect. You tell them something to get their mind off something else. I mean, I did that with my brother who was a pro. Uh, some of the times when he was struggling, I would tell him different things with his feet or his eyesight, even though that had nothing to do with it because that took his focus off of whatever the problem was mm-hmm. and got it somewhere else. And then he just went back to his natural instincts and, and made shots. And so um, being creative that way I think is important, but um, we just get a lot of reps up. We got guns and dishes and things like that that our kids get on. And I love it because they set them up, they take them down, they put them away. Uh, there's a ton of ownership in our program, and I think that's really important. How do you think you've created that ownership? Um, you know, I think it's just it's it's talked about, it's expected, it's, it's demanded, and uh, – and then, uh, I mean, intrinsic motivation is always going to be better than extrinsic. If I've got to tell somebody to do something, uh, we're not going to go as far as we were if it's it's from inside. And so trying to cultivate that motivation in kids and encourage um, them caring about the process that it takes to be great, I think is super important. We talk about it all the time. And, you know, right now we're struggling with some energy and warm-ups and just 
um, energy and practice and communication pieces and, and until it means something to them, until they see the value in that small thing, um, it, it's not going to change because we've talked about it enough. And at some point, there'll be an aha moment and our kids will, will really see the value in doing that and it'll get better. And so um, I, I just, I love the overall aspect of building teams and building a culture and, and um, allowing kids to take ownership, but trying to help them get to that point of being good leaders and good teammates. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're kind of talking about, you know, warm ups and things like that. Uh, how important is it for you to, to stress that everything we do matters? Because I can, I, can, I can hear that coming from you, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, it, it does. I just, if you look at any successful team, success leads, leaves clues and leaves tracks. And like I said earlier, I mean, everybody's looking for this secret sauce of, of what, what leads to success. Well, it's focus, attention to detail, engagement at all times. I mean, there's these certain keywords that, um, we always go back to that everybody thinks big things lead to great success, but it's not. It's doing the mundane things over and over again, never getting bored with the simple and just loving and trying to perfect it even more every time. So I think the greatest players um, are really attent- intent on what they're doing and they're attentive to how they're doing it. And I mean, I just think of my own my own uh, experience, I wouldn't leave the gym until my shot was perfect. And my dad would go out in his art room and do whatever he did, draw paintings, do it. I don't know what my dad (laughs) did in the art room, but uh, he'd leave me in the gym and let me do my thing. And I'd be in there from 10 to midnight. And I swear I'd see, see ghosts walk across or whatever, but it made me tougher, you know, it's it's shooting with ghosts behind me or whatever. um, But I wouldn't leave until it was perfect. And, um, so I, you know, you hear it's, it sounds cliche, but one of our players from last year, Carson Schwartz is helping us coach this year. And we've talked on the way to some games. And I said, what's the one thing that you've learned being away from it? And he just said, how much the small things matter. He didn't talk about, you know, what he wish he would have done differently scoring or passing or whatever. He went straight to how important little things are. And so getting kids to realize that. And not just in basketball, it's it's yeah. in life. Yeah. So I love those transferable skills that are from basketball to real life and teaching those things. Yep. Uh, um, do you have any uh, unique traditions or superstitions? Oh, I don't get into a ton of that stuff. I mean, I know certain people do certain things the day before games and all this jazz and whatever. And, um. I'm, I'm not a super routine guy, obviously. I mean, it's, it's sometimes hard to get a hold of me, something, you know, so it's, I'm not always the most routine in what I do, but, uh, we, we play some games. We have some stuff that our kids like to do, and, and you can't just make practice miserable all the time, you know. I tell our kids, you can still have fun and be engaged in what's going on. We mm-hmm. can have a, do a fun drill and get something out of it as long as we're engaged and it's not, just horse around time and so we do a lot of competitive shooting things um but not not anything super 
super crazy or creative like all these other smart people do. I just kind of roll the ball out and let's see what happens. <laughs> um, you know, what? Are, yeah, you, you talked about like competitive shooting. You know, I think that's a thing that sometimes we as coaches struggle with is we, 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 we as the adults – want to be super focused on getting something done but sometimes we have to remember that we're dealing with kids and sometimes they just want to just have fun you know what are some things that you do and i you you brought that up you know like what are some examples of like competitive shooting game that that accomplishes both of those things or you know whatever it may be you know we we like to uh we like to shoot during practice and so i think the progression of shooting and our kid i mean our program hasn't shot it as good as some others, I know that, but, uh, I, I think the progression of shooting in practice or whatever is, you know, we're really going to work on our, our form shooting first. So stationary catch, whatever. Um, then we're going to go ahead and add a, a pass. And I think angles of pass matters, you know, so we're going to start with the catch and shoot shoulder squared. And then the next drill, we might do something where our shoulders are turned and we're working on maybe a reversal shot because catches matter on shots and you're repping different shots and different angles. Um, then you can put in some, some body movement, I think. You know, so maybe we're moving spot to spot. But as we're going early in practice, I, I want it to be about reps and good reps. And that's going to be stationary feet, eye in the basket, whatever. And then you can start adding in the competition piece kind of later in practice. So... We, we, uh, I said, you know, we have Cannon Coster and Shallow Robinson. And so the cool part about that is we're able to grow our program because we can pick the brains of our kids and, uh, and do some of the things that they do that they like. And so we stole a thing called USD shooting where, uh, there's two guys playing and there's a guy that starts with the ball in the block, passes it out and he can choose either guy to go to offense gets one pass and they got to shoot it. So it's a little bit more game like, so you're just trying to build that progression of um, deep practice, working on skills into a competitive situation where they're making decisions and being reactionary to what the defense is doing. So different ways of getting into that. And then we just have our, our fun games that we do like a money basket. We'll partners will shoot for 30 seconds, whichever team at the basket has the most points wins and rotates to the main or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got some other things that we do, but I, every drill needs to have a purpose, and sometimes that purpose can be having fun. You know, things need to be light every once in a while, but it still needs to be engaged. Yeah. Um. You're uh you're kind of in a unique situation compared to the Omaha and Lincoln schools, where yeah. you're you're a Class A school, and you're always going to be Class A, especially with the new reclassification. Right. Um, but you probably have a pretty good idea of who's going to be in your sixth grade class and who's going to be in your seventh grade, you know, so forth and so on. So you've got a little bit more of an opportunity to organize a youth system more than let's say, you know, some of the schools that we talked about previously with like a bell West or a prepper or something like that. Uh, But it's not like when you were at Ravenna where you had a really small, a small town with okay here's our guys and this is who we know we're going to roll with these dudes you know so um you know talk about you kind of your elementary your junior high system how how you've uh, started to prep your kids uh now that you're in your fourth year um you know for your for the for the kids to come to play at Kearney high for you right so alluding to what you're talking about i i think that 
Carney High is the greatest job in the state of Nebraska for me uh-huh. um, because I want to build it. You know, I want to be a builder. I want to know and get my hands in on skill development and kids. And um, I don't want to go on a Saturday and watch some kid play that might come play for me or do whatever. You know, and so um, being able to do that, I think, is super important. And then our kids just work extremely hard. And so um, our youth program, like I said earlier, I think you know you're constantly reevaluating things and reflecting trying to figure out what the best process is for how to be the most successful. I think that we can get better in in our youth uh, development area. Um, I think that's the next step for our, for our program is to really start focusing in on, on that. And, you know, some people would probably say, you know, that's probably where we should have started. Um, I put a lot of time and energy into making sure our high school program was what I wanted first. Um, When I went to Holdridge, um, I tried to really, do everything you know you're trying you're so excited and so energetic to be a coach that you want to conquer the world and uh when i took the job at carney i, I told my assistant i said i, I want to make sure that we are get investing into our varsity team the first year as much as we possibly can and making sure because you know a youth program and those kids aren't going to be as excited to come and do stuff if you're if your high school team's not winning some games and playing a fun style so um we do the the camps in the summer we do the uh, saturday morning stuff um we've got some junior bearcat things going um but you know i think you're always evaluating and and figuring out what's best and so we're probably going to look at being a little bit more involved on who's on what team right now kids can kind of just be on whatever team that they want to be on but I think as we move forward, we'll probably look at, you know, trying to organize who, you know, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, who, who's on what team, how many teams we have, different things like that. But mm-hmm. uh, obviously, our our youth program is not broken. Um, we've been able to have some success with the kids that we've had and the way that it's been. Um, obviously, winning sixty games or whatever it is with with the program that we have. So it's not like it's a broken program, but I think mm-hmm. that's an area where we could really um, maybe revamp and get a little even better. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how uh, young do you start your kids within your junior oh, bear cat program or whatever? So our, our, our camps, we go all the way down to kindergarten. Uh-huh. Um, I think our, t- I mean, anymore, our teams going all the way down to second grade and stuff like that. And to me, that's a little silly. I think, you know, we'll, we'll really invest a lot of time in that 6th, 7th, and 8th grade because I think that's something that really can transfer over to um, probably winning some more games at high school level. When you're getting below 6th grade, I mean, that's that's skill development. That's being excited to play. That's doing whatever. And, um, you know, there's so many people are so worried about winning games um, at lower levels, and that should be the least of their concern because um, – the game is no fun if you have no skills. And so 95% of what youth programs should be doing is working on skills and understanding and worried less about wanting to run in a one, two, two trap in third grade because nobody's gaining from that. I don't think now, obviously, you know, everybody has the whole zone philosophy for, well, you're not. And when you get to high school, at some point you're going to have to go against a two, three zone. So I'm not saying that it shouldn't ever be in youth sports because that's a skill that they're going to have to know how to do. Yeah. But, 
you know, we need to find a happy medium on how we can develop skills and understanding without um, neglecting other things, I guess, would be the best way to put it. No, I, I, it is a fine line to walk. And I always kind of thought, you know, about, you know, we would start our kids at, at Scott at about the fifth grade time, you know, right around there, fifth and, and then, you know, Sixth, seventh, like you said, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I think that's the time you really start I- investing in it. But then you don't want to do too much because you want them to be excited to play in high school. Because yep. what what I started to see more of is just, you know, I'm just tired of playing, you know, right. and 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 so you don't want to, you know, my son that played basketball. We we've got two boys, and he's a junior, and you know, at the end of his sophomore year, he was just like. I'm just, I'm just done, you know, I, I just, you know, and, and this was the kid that at two years old started shooting on the Nerf hoop at at the house. So you kind of yeah. look back at that and you go, did we do too much too early? You know, that type of thing. So it's a fine balance. I totally get it, you know. Yeah, I don't, you just, if, if I get down into sixth, seventh and eighth, some kids get tired of me after four years, you know, and so, <laughs> um, getting down and being around kids too much for too long I, I don't know that that's necessarily the answer always either too but but that's also what, what I'm talking about is we want to make sure that our kids have a, a mindset towards getting better and every time they step in the gym that we're going to work and get better but that doesn't mean that we can't play a fun game that doesn't mean that we can't do something that the kids enjoy and so um, if they don't enjoy what they're doing then they're not going to put their heart and soul into it. And so it's, it's totally a fine line. Yep. So yep. Um, I remember I'm, I was in fourth or fifth grade and I got boxing one. <laughs> that's uh, that's what happened to my son one time. And like, I think it was about fourth grade. Yep. I think some people get fired up about it and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me work even harder. And so I don't think you want to take away all that decision-making for people, but at the same time, I don't want to see it every night that you play because yeah. you need to get better at certain things. But uh, I got boxing one when I got in high school, so it was probably good that I saw it when I was in fifth grade. There you go. You could go back to the game film. That's right. I think, <laughs> yeah, mom got it. <laughs> there you go. Um, offensive philosophy. You know, what do you guys do out there at Kearney? Um, you know, um, you know, what what do you like to run? And obviously, you're going to have to adjust that some to your personnel. But yeah. you know, what's kind of what's kind of some of the things that you like to do uh, with the ball? Well, we, it, I really thought I was going to be more of an offensive coach, and uh, in my time with Doc Sadler, kind of changed that a little bit. So I, I found myself to be maybe a little bit better defensively as as far as getting into that. But just like anything, I mean. If you don't understand offense, then you can't coach defense. If you don't understand defense, then you can't coach offense. Mm-hmm. And so um, you got to have an understanding of both. And offensively, we want to push and transition, get easy bu- buckets without turning the basketball over, obviously. Mm-hmm. We want to run hard. We we don't score in transition quite as much as I probably would like us to, but you know it's a work in progress. And then after that, we want to take a good shot. I, mean, I don't think we're too much different than anybody else. We're going to move the basketball. Um, our kids are going to take care of it, hopefully. And and then we're going to take a good collective shot, something inside out, hopefully. And, 
you know, it's a lot of the same of what everybody else is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you guys, uh, you know, and again, I know it's a ever evolving thing based on your personnel. You guys run some two out, you run some three out or I'm, so, or, I'm sorry, two, two in three out, yeah, two in so, four out, you know, right. what do you look to do? I would love to be a five out coach and our personnel hasn't necessarily allowed that to happen. Um, you know, I think just spacing and decision-making and, and all that is a fun way to play basketball, but we've had the fortunate, we've been fortunate to have some pretty good inside players and Seth Stroh and Brett currently and uh, Shiloh Robinson, obviously. And so uh, we did a lot of four out every once in a while we get in some three, two stuff. And, um, but it's all the same. I mean, yeah. the decision-making, the plays, you know, in your three out two in, you're more manipulating matchups than you are probably moving bodies mm-hmm. um, in a four out. You know, we can move bodies a little bit more and and try to drive some closeouts and different things. But um, it's just fun playing cat and mouse with, with the defense and trying to figure out the best way to put our kids in position to be successful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, social media. Where are you at on the social media so folks can track you down and find you out and – I don't even know what my thing is anymore. I think it's just Drake Bronick or Drake dot Bronick. I think mm-hmm. on Twitter or something like that. I I have a Facebook. I haven't looked at it in probably four years. I probably should close <laughs> it before somebody hacks it or something. Um, I like social media enough. I, I it's good to stay in the know on what's going on. It's fun to have it to be able to check scores on the drive home or whatever. Um, I I don't like it and the fact that everybody just kind of posts the great things that happen in their life. And then everybody thinks that everybody's life is easy and always awesome. And that's probably not the case either. And so, um, you know, try to be careful on, on social media a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people say some things on there that I don't know if they necessarily say to somebody's face. And yeah. I think that's a scary and dangerous thing is having, having the opportunity to do some of that stuff is a little bit scary. So you try to be careful on there. Um, but it, if used correctly, it can be such a powerful and, and great tool too. So it's a love hate relationship on social media for me. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask two favors of you social media wise. Number one, yep. like a pen and a napkin Twitter page and give okay. us a follow there. And yep. then when this drops here, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, just use it and shoot it out to everybody because I'll tag you on everything and and uh, let everybody know that you were on the program. I'm I'm a retweeter, man. That's what I can do. I, that, if I tweet something myself, I usually spell something wrong anyway, so that's why I try to stay out of that. <laughs> you are not giving Ravenna Public Schools much of a, a plug here tonight, Coach. It wasn't it wasn't because of the teachers. I promise you that uh, we had great teachers at, at Ravenna. So you were too busy uh, getting chased by ghosts in the gym. That's right. I was looking in the hallway, seeing what was going on there, and said, "Pay attention to the board." I guess. <laughs> well, easily, easily distracted. I guess so. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, coach, this has been fun. I hope you enjoyed being on here uh, because I've had a blast just uh, uh, talking to you about all this stuff here. So it's been really good for me. I, I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah. Anytime I get a chance to talk, I mean, anybody that knows me knows I, I probably talk more than I need to sometimes, but. Uh, you know, being able to share the game a little bit and talk about my experiences and how important that experiences are and are it's a fun thing to do. So um, I appreciate you having me on and look forward to uh, following 
pen and napkin and learning myself. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hold the line for a second here. I uh, just got to go through a couple things and, and, uh, you know, we'll just get everything signed off. Um, again, I want to thank coach Drake Baronic from, uh, Kearney high school. Uh, for coming on here tonight. Uh, we also want to thank COSAC Chiropractic for sponsoring the pod. Uh, Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi, they're awesome. Coach, if you ever, if you ever need any, uh, bones cracked here while you're in, in Omaha, uh, after you're done pheasant hunting or something like that, you know, that, that's the place to go. So, uh, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Again, uh, like Coach Baronic, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin, uh, download, rate, and review the pod. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, anything you want us to, to cover, uh, Give us a, or email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Again, uh, Drake Baronic uh, from Kearney High School. Uh, can't thank him enough. We finally got this uh, all recorded and everything, and it's been a lot of fun. So, uh, coaches, as always, be sure to hone your craft one day at a time. <laughs>